for, but actually we're going to be looking at um, different selected verses. We talk about lessons from the storm, from struggle. But uh, let's look in Second Corinthians chapter four, verses eight through ten, for our scripture reading. As Paul discusses his struggle uh, with his uh, co-laborers, so I ask when you find that to stand in God's honor. Second Corinthians four, eight through ten. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you promised to never leave nor forsake us, but God, regardless of what we face or what we are facing, you are near. And Father, as we look at lessons learned in the suffering tonight, uh, just speak to our hearts, God, and remind us that uh, you're at work. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. As you look in the Bible, it's obvious God's people then, and of course God's people now, experience suffering. Um, You know, there's the guys in the fiery furnace. (laughs) Daniel in the lion's den, I'm sure that wasn't much fun. They're all night. Joseph, who who sat in prison and was a man of integrity, but kept seeming to get hard knocks along the way. And of course, Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, persecuted in many ways. John, who ended up on an island by himself. Of course, James, who was beheaded. David, chased, even though he was the rightful king, uh, living in obscurity, worried about being found by the, uh, by the king. Uh, and, and the story goes on uh, in the Scripture where there's, there's suffering. Um, there's a story that in the Irish potato famine in the 1800s, 30% of Western Ireland left cause of the poverty. It looked as if nobody could survive. There was one estate named Castle Caldwell owned by John Bloomfield. And Bloomfield had noticed that some of the cottages where the tenant farmers worked had a beautiful white glaze to the outside of the cottages. And so he began to investigate because there was a clay he discovered on his land that was of high quality. And they actually ended up opening up a pottery and uh, known as now as Balik Pottery uh, that was opened in 1857. And it became uh, one of the most esteemed, beautiful pottery places. So something that came out of great famine, something that came out of great suffering... Uh, there was something beautiful that happened in a multi-million dollar ministry. You never know in pain what God may be up to. And we all experience it. I, I want to actually look at seven ways God works in pain through the Scriptures here. We're going to jump around. First one is uh, Proverbs 20, verse 30. God uses pain to direct us. 
It says, blows and wounds cleanse away evil, and beatings purge away the inmost being. When we hurt, something's got to change. Something's got to give, and God can use that pain to direct us uh, and move us out of where we are. We need to need to move and quit quit staying there. Uh, as I thought of this, when I was in high school, I got a call one night about midnight from a, a friend, and I don't know how I ended up in this, but I was doing. They called people to put out a forest fire in the next county, and they needed help. And so I go out there. I don't know what I'm doing. I run out there, you know, and I've got on some stuff. And I'm in the middle of this forest fire, and the smoke starts coming my way, and I can hardly breathe. And I look, I got to get out of here and now. No hero for Todd. And and I can remember just you know trying to get somewhere where I could breathe. And, and you know you can get in a place where you say it's time to get out of here. And, and God does that. He directs us out. Uh, secondly, to inspect us. This is from James chapter one verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The Bible says God's building character in us, uh, and the testing of our faith uh, makes us strong. There's a you got guys probably heard this or seen it. It's been around the internet a couple of times, but I love the illustration. A daughter was struggling, and she went to her mom for encouragement. And her mom took her into the kitchen, put three pots on the stove of boiling water. In one pot, dropped some carrots. Another pot, dropped some eggs. And the third one, put some coffee in there. <laughs> and, you know, uh, before she dropped each item in there, says, hey, hey, fill the carrots. You know, their carrots are hard. They're unrelenting. You know, put them in there. And you see the egg. And, of course, we all know, you know, the egg's fragile. You break it. You know, with the shell, and, and then put the coffee in there, and then afterward, the changes that occurred. You know, the carrots, where they were once hard, now they were soft. The eggs, once fragile, now were hard boiled, and the coffee produced a sweet aroma. Actually, changed the condition of the boiling water. And anyway, a lesson that was learned there. I wanted to read just directly from here instead of even Sherry. He says, Am I the carrot that seems strong, but with pain and adversity do I wilt and become soft and lose my strength? Am I the egg that starts with a soft heart but changes with a heat? Did I have a fluid spirit, but after a death I break up a financial hardship or some trial? Have I become hardened and stiff? Does my shell look the same? But on the inside am I bitter and tough with a stiff spirit, hardened heart? Or am I like the coffee bean? The bean actually changes the hot water, the very circumstance that brings the pain. When the water gets hot, it releases the fragrance and flavor. If you're like the bean, when things are at their worst, you get better and change the situation around you. When the hour is the darkest and trials are their greatest, do you elevate yourself to another level? How do you handle adversity? Are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? May you have enough happiness to make you sweet, enough trials to make you strong, enough sorrow to keep you human, and enough hope to make you happy. The happiest of people don't necessarily have the best of everything. They just make the most of everything that comes their way. The brightest future will always be based on a forgotten past. You can't go forward in life until you let go of your past failures and heartaches. When you were born, you were crying, and everyone around you was smiling. 
live your life so at the end you're the one who's smiling and everyone around you is crying. I love that end. Trials bring out what's inside. All right, a third one here to correct us. Uh, some lessons are only learned through pain and failure that we need to take a turn there. Our lives need to be turned around. Um, Psalm one nineteen seventy one. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Now, I'll never forget someone had the saying, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. You know, I always think of God's Word and His will and His ways as a protective fence. And if you step out of safe pasture and jump over the fence, you find trouble. God doesn't want to hurt you. He really wants to help you. He wants to protect you. People that say, oh, you're just trying to squish my fun. No, I'm just trying to make sure you don't end up a casualty. And, and that's the way that God works. Uh, another one is to connect us. Psalm 119.67 Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Trouble has a way of reconnecting people to one another and reconnecting people to God. I guess the best illustration of that I can think of is a funeral. You know, a lot of us, and, and this happened in, in my family. I, I remember my grandmother died, and my mom was one of six, and everybody scattered so many places. And it was one of the few times that everyone came and everyone was together. And gave us a chance to... I mean, you know, it's not the greatest place to be when your heart's breaking over the death of somebody. But there was a chance to be together. And of course, there also... There's a chance at a funeral um, to be reminded of the fact we're going to die. And to look at the fact that we need God to be prepared for death. Because if you're not prepared to die, you're never prepared to live. And, and that, that being connected is, is critical and uh, helpful to, to what uh, God uses the pain for. Uh, another one, He works to protect us. Genesis 50, verse 20, and of course this is what Joseph uh, shared after he was with his brothers. and He had revealed his identity. And of course, they were struggling with all of their guilt. And he shared with them, great verse as he shared with him that God was working through all the pain he said you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives um, I read about a guy in his job he lost his job because his employer wanted him to do something that was illegal and he said I can't do that and so he lost his job but then a year later uh, people on that in that company on his team ended up going to jail because of those illegal activities. So although he went through the pain of losing his job, God protected him from going to jail by doing what's right uh, 
He escaped that pain. Then there's to perfect us. Uh, problems, God uses them to make us tough. Pray, God, not give me a light load, but a strong back. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He gave us. And David said in the midst of his suffering, this is from Psalm 71, beginning at 19. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God, you who have done great things. Who, O God, is like you? Though you've made me see troubles, many and bitter, you'll restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Um, God works through trouble to grow us up, to mature us uh, through that trouble. To, uh, to make us strong. Then the last one is to project us. Philippians 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. God works through tough times sometimes to move us into a situation where He can use us for His glory. To, to accomplish something we don't see. In the midst of our pain, He's at work. And many times we may miss it. That He's touching a life and we may not see it. I remember, and I've shared this before, but... When I was in seminary, I was intern at this church, and uh, we'd have Wednesday night prayer services. And there was this guy named Butch who had cancer. And I, this went on for several months. Somebody would stand up and say, "Pray for Butch. He's taken a turn for the worst. They're saying you know, he's not going to get better, and and just pray, pray for his family, pray for Butch." And Butch would stand up and say, False alarm, I'm here. That happened a couple of times. And I can remember laughing, saying, What is it with this guy? And, and then what I heard about him was really beautiful. But, you know, in the hospital, he's one of those guys that was just so upbeat. And when they'd ask him, You know, what's, why are you that way? You'd have a chance to tell him. <laughs> you'd tell him about the Lord. He'd tell him about his hope. Not that he was pain-free, but that he was free free of his sin and, 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 and free to find mercy and, and hope. And, um, I read about, you know, eagles. They know when a storm's coming. And they actually uh, look for certain currents in the wind so that when the storm comes, it will lift them higher above the storm. And that's what God wants to do in us through the storms. He says, keep your eye on me, you know. Uh, be in tune with the wind of my spirit and when the storms come uh, so that you'll know I'm there. Not to take away the pain, 
but to, to be able to know that God is there through the pain. Um, Clyde Gordon, who was paralyzed from the neck down, he, he'd written this word in a Christian magazine. Christ is no security against storms, but he is perfect security in storms. Not to necessarily remove the storm, although he may, but to be security in the storm. Um, he's there. Close with this uh, illustration. Elizabeth Prentice was the wife of a Presbyterian minister. And although um, the last couple of decades uh, of her life she was an invalid, you wouldn't know that by her attitude, though. Her friends described her as full of life, great sense of humor, smiled a lot, <laughs> joyful. And... It, but she was in pain all the time. She had severe crippling arthritis that kept her in the bed. And she was able to keep that outlook until there was a tragedy. Two of her children died. And Elizabeth didn't know what to do. Uh, she struggled. She cried out to God um, in her diary. She wrote, of empty hands, a worn-out, exhausted body, and unutterable longings to flee from a world that has so many sharp experiences. She went from a time where she just wanted to be alone. And in her grief, in her crying out to God, she penned a song that most all of us have sung. Uh, hear the words. More love to Thee, O Christ, more love to Thee. Hear Thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea. More love, O Christ, to Thee. Once earthly joy I crave, salt, peace, and rest. Now Thee alone I seek. Give what is best. This all my prayer shall be. More love, O Christ, to Thee. Let sorrow do its work. Send grief and pain. Sweet are thy messengers, sweet their refrain. When they can sing with me, more love, O Christ, to thee. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy praise. This be the parting cry my heart shall raise. This still its prayer shall be, more love, O Christ, to thee. Lord, thank you for the Elizabeth Prentices in your body, Lord. People who face pain but aren't a pain. People who love you in spite of the storm. Who walk in your strength. Who know your presence in, in, in the midst of difficulty. Father, who, Lord, know that you provide a perfect security in the storm. Uh, Father, thank you for this hymn that we've been able to enjoy for years. Thank you, Father, for how you take something that seems to be only a disaster and out of it bring a blessing. That's how you work. And, Father, uh, there may be people here, your people, who for whatever reason feel crushed beneath the storm. Father, speak to them. Comfort them. Reassure them, Father. 
give them hope. Lord, sometimes we just need a little reassurance, Lord. Sometimes words aren't quite enough. So, Holy Spirit, Comforter, do your work. Father, what do you want to do tonight as we have response time? There's an altar open. People need to come to pray. Father, there's a chance to do business with you, Father, as we sing before you. Maybe we need to stop and pray in your presence personally. Or maybe to come before your people and to share how you're strong in the storm. Father, what do you want to do? We just want you to have freedom to be glorified and honored in our service tonight, Lord, in our time. Father, we're your servants. You're the master. So have your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen.